Jones to Big Mama Hex podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So Michelle and I have known each other for quite a few years now. I can't even imagine how many, let's think. Probably 2012. I reached out to Rob. Were you were you part of Thistlefink at that point? Yes. I was. I actually just joined at that point. So yeah, that's it probably yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So Michelle and I met through our mutual friend Rob and he is the um how do you how do you word this? I can edit this too. He call, how do he's, you, he's, what do you he's, call him? Yeah, he's the um he's the elder of the tradition. The elder of the tradition of Orglava. Did right. I say that and right? He, you did. Um, and he, yeah. <laughs> he is our, um, you know, he's, he's one of our God's folk, uh, Aziva for um, the kindred. Um, and he is also the uh, president for, you know, as far as offices go within the kindred, he's the president of this thing as well. Gotcha. Okay. And I think you and I are pretty similar in, in that aspect, but also I know that you're involved in a coven as well still as well correct yes um that's so. correct uh, you know and i was gonna say i just uh, you know i tend to look at that as like a complementary tradition i know that a lot of people talk about dual traditions and whatnot and i don't necessarily look at it as dual because it's um the coven's eclectic so those of us who are members and right now we're a very small um coven there's three three of us um, okay. two of us are founding mothers um but we purposely are invitation only because the pagan community is so full of drama that we want to make sure oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to make sure, we want to make sure that you know that you know we do we do energy work together and we want to make sure that the people that are coming in that we're doing this energy work that we're opening ourselves up to are not going to take that and do something not great with so yeah. we're eclectic so those of us who come in, two of us are actually are actually also members of the coven, and then the third, um, she just sort of follows an eclectic path. But we get together mostly for the full moons, and we usually do um, one holiday a quarter. Um, but then, like I look at the kindred sorta as like the wheel of the year mm -hmm. ceremonies, and that's so like I kind of get both that way because with the kindred we don't focus a whole lot on the the moon cycles and the lunar right. cycles. Um, even though Orglova is a lunar cycle tradition, we yeah. don't do a whole lot. Yeah, we don't do a whole lot with moon cycles. So I kind of, that's why I say like the coven for me is comp is complimentary because when, I, when I'm speaking about, we use generic terms like God and goddess. When I'm speaking with them, I know who I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. And in my mind is Hola or Dunar, you know, or any one of the, the deities within our pantheon. Um, but I'm sure that my coven sister, when she's speaking about the gods and goddesses, it may be something else for her, or it may just be a generic, you know, male and female energy. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of just look at my coven as a complementary tradition that I can fall back on. And it's, it's a very tight knit, intimate kind of group. So it's nice to have that in addition to the, the kindred. And, you know, sometimes, um, because I have a leadership role in the kindred, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you can understand, you, you're, you can totally get this. It's like, sometimes it's hard to be um, fully present in the moment because you're also worried about all this other stuff that has to happen as part of the ceremonies and events. 
So um, I still do a lot in my personal practice and having the coven is a nice escape just to kind of be in the moment where I, yeah. you know, I try to do that ceremonies and a lot of times I can do that, but there's also times that it's just, there's too much, for lack of a better word, background noise going on that, you know, doesn't let me focus entirely. So um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's nice to have kind of all those outlets available. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. It's hard. I mean, even just, just the way my brain works, it's hard to be present even when I'm totally allowed the time and the space to be relaxed and be present. It's very difficult to turn off other things and be present, which is, I think, why um, meditation and yoga has really helped me a lot to just kind of slow down, which is very, very helpful and nice. Um, but I was telling Ralph, and I think probably Rob, um, that during this time, during the COVID quarantine, it's become abundantly clear to me that um, not making time to gather with people that I care about and things that I care about has really created like basically a black hole in my life. And I, I told both of them, and I'll tell you as well, every time I gather with you all and just to think, and I'll always mess up the last, um, the second name, Slipshaft. Did I say it right? Sip Help me. Shaft. Sip Shaft. No, 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 no T at the yeah. end. Sip yeah, shaft. No, there is. Oh, Sip then I have it wrong. Here. There is a T at the end. <laughs> I wrote it wrong on my note. Sip shaft. Okay. Whenever yes, I gather yes. with you all, I told them both that I feel like my cup's been refilled and it's so um, rejuvenating. And I apologize. I am soaking it all up, but I know as an organizer, it can be so much work and it is very difficult to stay present, but I always. Well, aside from having my children with me who are probably like wrecking stuff at Pete's house, um, it's always super relaxing. Um, but, you know, just making a commitment personally to once we can gather again to make sure I make the time to, and the effort to do that. Because you all have for years now been so, so important to me, even though I don't often participate, it's still always there for me and in my heart. Um, so I just want to thank you for that. And also to speak to what you were speaking about, about the complimentary um, path. Rob has always said to me, you know, just because you're a member doesn't mean you have to go in 100%. And I've always really appreciated that about all of you, that that there is room for finding your own path within the kindred. And I really, really value that and appreciate that so much. And I'm feeling very drawn to, um, to finally, listen, I'm turning 40. And I'm like, it's been almost 10 years I've known Rob and it's like it's time now to make this commitment but yeah so I have reached out to him about becoming a full member and um, taking an oath and I do really enjoy that part uh, where you can have complimentary um, paths as well because I, I had a really long conversation with my friend Ruthie and I'm half Welsh as well as half Pennsylvania Dutch and I find um, some of the Celtic mythology and lore like really draws me in and, you know, it's exciting because it's nice to have an abundance rather than just like one or two, you know? So that's really exciting too about um, the deities with Distelfink. And, you know, I've seen them presented to me differently, more of the North, Norse, sorry, not North, but I'm um, the North um, tradition of it. And it just never really like clicked for me. But the way you all package it and the way you talk about it and the way it's presented through the framework and the lens of um, Deitch, Deitch life and Deitch culture. Um, it just really speaks to me. And I just, 
I really value all the work y'all have put into the, I was going to say, and, and yeah. keep in mind that, you know, we're continuing to uncover and unravel right. things. So, you know, like over the last two years, I guess it was that we've, we've taken now, we, we, we don't refer to Frigg anymore. We know her as Fried. Um, okay. Because we also, we also recognize that, you know, within the continental pantheon, there, there are differences that, mm -hmm. you know, there are there were things that happened culturally as the migrations happened and when the continental folks ended up in the scandinavian countries they obviously adopted and adapted things to their lifestyle but our people didn't come from the scandinavian islands they still were very continental and unfortunately like most northern traditions a lot of stuff didn't get written down so it was lost yeah. now what we have to rely on are you know superstitions and folklore and weird little um, idiosyncrasies and habits that were passed down through generations that, you know, I just recently had an epiphany in the weirdest of ways as it relates to a familial um, New Year's Eve tradition that ran through the family. And just to mm -hmm. give you a little background, every year there was this mad dash to make sure all your affairs were in order by the time the clock struck midnight on New Year's Eve. So, the house should be cleaned. Your bill should at least be up to date. Um, you should have some money in your wallet. You should make sure your laundry's done. The kitchen's clean. You have food in your belly. You have food in your fridge. Like all that sort of thing because the, the, the I guess the, the lore or the superstition in the family was that whatever your state of affairs were on New Year's Eve when the clocks you know, changed, those predicted your state of affairs for the year to come. And it was always just like this weird little family thing that we always did. Mm -hmm. My grandmother did it, my mother and my aunt did it, my cut my 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 parents, I mean my mother's aunt, uh, cousins did it, and then it ended up trickling down to me and it, like I said I was always in this man dash on New Year's Eve day to make sure all of that stuff was done. And it was like, why am I killing myself to do this? So I I didn't do it last year. And not to say that it had anything to do with 2020 happening the way it did because this right. is a global thing. But, mm -hmm. um, but this year I've made, I've been, I don't know if you've noticed on my Facebook page, my personal one, I've been making an effort to kind of highlight the Christmas monsters and like mm -hmm. the dark side of, of this time of year. And yesterday I highlighted Frau Perkta. And one of the things it talks about, like I always knew Hollow was very much about the tidiness of the house at Von Anox and that you yeah. had to be clean and tidy and organized. But this lore I was reading on Frau Pacta also talked about having your affairs in order. And I was like, oh my God, this very possibly could have been just something that trickled down through the generations. And it was always more about, you know, your luck for the new year because we didn't talk about pagan things. We were, right. you know, we were Protestant. But, you know, obviously being pagan now or being heathen now, I see that connection and I'm like, oh my God, that's what this was probably all about. So yeah. it's just finding those little needles in the haystack. So like I said, you know, for us collectively, we're now calling our hearth goddess fried because that's who she is for us. Um, right. And same thing with, uh, we no longer use Freya. We use okay. Fralva. We've, we've found, we found enough dots to connect to understand that that is the name that our ancestors and forebearers would have been using um, in the past. So we're trying to adopt our own names 
for our deities because we recognize the fact that a lot of that Norse uh, mythology mm -hmm. may not resonate with people that are drawn specifically to Urblova. Um, yeah. Because I think we do get a nice, we get a nice mix of people that come in um, from both the, the more Celtic pagan side and mm -hmm. also the heathen side. So we want to make sure we're kind of, and I've said this all along, like I don't want to just co-opt Norse traditions. We right. are our own tradition and we should make, follow those lines. So that's, a, that's been like my biggest push since day one. So I'm really happy yeah. we've been able to kind of, these things are not, it's obviously an ongoing thing, but yeah, it's just, I find that really exciting. I was going to say, it's so exciting. Um, just the evolution of it and it's not stagnant. Like just in the time that I've known you all, it's changed a lot and it's really exciting to see that. And it's also exciting to just be a part of watching, you know, um, a mythology kind of be written, you know, you know, and collected and, and put into um, t text and, and documented. It's very exciting. Um, my friend Ruthie, who I spoke about, who also actually did one of Susan's um, courses, the year-long courses, um, she was talking about a woman she works with, Sharon Blackie. Have you heard of her? No, I think I know who Ruthie is, though. Oh, okay. Um, this Sharon Blackie, she's she's British and she's over in Ireland, but she's I'm gonna mess it up. The mythic woman, I think. Um, and it's a lot of stories, like Celtic stories in mythology um, based on the strength of women. But something interesting she said, and I actually talked to Ralph about it, is if you don't see yourself reflected in the mythology or you can't find your place, like create your own mythology. And I thought that was really powerful. And it reminded me instantly of Rob and Arblava and of all of you and all the efforts that have been made. And I think it's just so exciting to see it come together and be a part of it. And especially for somebody who getting kind of moving on to the next part of what I wanted to talk to you about. The idea of Deitch Girl Displaced, which is um, your phrase that you've coined that I think literally it, it puts into words exactly how I felt my whole life. And I've loved that terminology and wording um, since I saw it. And I think it's just so poignant and wonderful. And just feeling the displacement also having been raised Christian and feeling very pagan, but now going on 30 years, having no particular identifier or um, group or path for myself in the pagan community, but having just felt that connection, but feeling a need to kind of hone in and focus more on that. I think it's just so nice. It's almost serendipitous that we've all met and now I'm really connected with you all and like you're very close and local and it's just so, it couldn't be easier for me to become more focused in that in that path and in the in my spiritual life um but i did want to talk to you i i mean i, I would like to spend some time on distalfink and um and talk about your role in distalfink but i do want to also touch on the deitch girl displaced because i think it fits in nicely to this whole conversation that we're at the point we're at right now um so tell me about how you came upon this this idea and it's a page on Facebook and and I would love someday Michelle for you to like write a book or put something out um I just I love this idea so please talk about it so yeah I grew up in the heart of Dutch country um writing Pennsylvania we were what people like to refer to as city Dutch my I think all the way back to my grandparent my great-grandparents they moved into the city of Reading um 
but at the same time, like I, I have pictures from their house, a little row home, but their little row home backyard was a garden. So like, although they were city Dutch, they still had their farming acumen with them. Um, yes. <laughs> but as we tend to do within our culture, one of our idiosyncrasies is not to embrace our Dutchness or our Deutschness. Mm. Um, my grandparents spoke Deutsch, but would never speak it around us unless they were trying to hide from us what they were saying. Yeah. My mother never, yeah, my mother <laughs> never learned it. Um, you know, and I've tried over the years to pick it up and it's just, it's really hard to do virtually. So I still yeah. have my books and every now and then I'll pick them up and try to go through them. Um, so, you know, I, I've learned a few words here and there, but what I was getting at is, so I was like, I grew up in that culture. We didn't talk about it. So you didn't know you were growing up in that culture. It just yes. was what it was um, to the point where, like I said, I was raised Protestant in the UCC church. And it wasn't until I moved out of the area that I realized that the UCC denomination is a very Deitch phenomenon. Mm. Um, it's, mm -hmm. It comes out of the German reformed uh, group. So it makes sense now that I know the history, but, you know, and then I think there's also this sense that as kids, we don't really care about our past. You know what I mean? We don't, no. we don't invest a whole lot of time or effort into learning that stuff. So mm -hmm. as a, a kid growing up, I had it all around me. I took it for granted, never realized what it meant or, or what it was, because again, we have a lot of famous people that are night that just don't learn about and it wasn't yes. until after the fact that you know I did um but I went to college in Atlanta and I fully expected to not have the culture you know what I mean because I knew it was a distance um that was really when I found out about the UCC denomination because when I got down there I was still very active in my in my church so I tried to find the UCC denomination and I think there was one in the entire greater Atlanta area <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a car so it wasn't like I could get there easily so I just kind of yeah. gave up on it plus I was already at that point you know I'd, I'd say probably I was babbling in paganism um probably since the time I was in my early teens yeah um to the point where our church had a interpretive dance group and I can mm -hmm. remember I was leading one of our things and I was like okay everybody lay on the ground and feel yourself meld into the floor like I was doing a grounding exercise and didn't even realize it at the time, but you know, That's awesome. I'm, sure the pastor, <laughs> I'm sure the pastor had he known or she known would have been like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I came back from Atlanta. The one thing that really surprised me too, also in Atlanta was like, I didn't realize that tasty cakes were such a reason, regional thing either. So that was, right? that was pretty shocking <laughs> to the system. <laughs> But I got out of college and I moved back home for a year and a half for, so I could save up money. So again, I was back immersed in the culture and it was like, it felt good. You know what I mean? Yes. But again, it was also like the sense of, all right, well, yeah, I just lived, you know, 16 miles or 16 hours away. So I didn't necessarily equate that to like being a cultural thing. I just thought it was more like I'm back home. Sure. Um, and when I moved out of my parents' house, I moved to Phoenixville. So again, it still wasn't like a big jump, mm -hmm. but then I moved to South Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the only Pennsylvania Dutch person I knew of amongst a sea of Italians. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, 
trying to embrace my culture was unbelievably difficult and it mm -hmm. sent me sort of on this search um you know and i think too as a kid just to back up growing up because i didn't have that exposure or um because it wasn't like yes you were immersed in it it was all around you but nobody really talked about it i always tried right, it was like subtle find, yeah i always tried to find a, an identity to immerse myself mm -hmm. in and, I spent years um, assimilating myself to the African-American culture around me because it was so, I thought, beautiful and vibrant mm -hmm. and there was so much to it. Not realizing our own culture has all that if we could just talk yes. about it. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, once I moved to South Jersey and I really started digging in is when I started discovering the beauty and the vibrancy and the um just depth of our own culture and heritage and it really kind of set me on this trajectory to to explore all things dutch while living in a place where it was nowhere around me and it was um i think i was living in south jersey maybe six years before somebody was like hey there's an amish market down the road did you know that and i was like what <laughs> so <laughs> that, that gave me a little taste of home but even still like i remember going in there you know, end of January, and I was like, do you guys have Fosnox? Because you know, every Amish market has a little bakery section, and they were mm -hmm. like, the lady leaned over to me, and she was like, nobody wants them here, and I was like, wow. oh man, so then, yeah, so I had to learn how to make my own, which was, mm -hmm. which was fine, and I'm glad that I've done that. It's labor-intensive, but, you know, I have Fosnox now every year if I want them, and I can make them any time of the year if I want to, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's definitely been sort of a process, but you know, I was, it, I actually kind of got the name Dice Girl Displaced from, um, what was the movie with Angelina Jolie, um, where she was in the mental hospital? Oh yeah, Girl, um, something with Girl, what? Girl Interrupted. Girl, girl Interrupted, yeah. My brain's so like I kind of, right, right. I kind of took that concept of, you know, I'm, I'm, I've finally recognized my culture, but now I'm removed from it. Right. So it's, um, yeah, so it's kind of like embracing all things Deitch while being outside of the culture and, and trying to really learn and and go back and try to incorporate that those sorts of things into my lifestyle. Yeah. So, but at the same time, you know, I have to say this too. I know that, that Ralph and, and Rob, like, and, you know, a lot of folks really love all of the old, like, crafts and, and foods and all that kind of stuff. But I also tend to believe that our ancestors and forebears were all about innovation. So yes. I think that there's also opportunity for those of us who are embracing our culture to take yes. those art forms and those, um, those things that are very inherent to our culture mm -hmm. and innovate on them and mm -hmm. also improve upon them um, yes. and create new things while still honoring the intent and the tradition behind them yeah and that's so funny you brought that up because the whole time that you were speaking about it i was thinking about the way that deitch girl displaced hits me so differently but very similarly similar to you i grew up with it we were immersed in it but very subtly but i grew up out of the area in bristol and and to me deitch girl displaced also speaks to the fact that i felt like an outsider within the culture and what you were just saying makes so much sense because to me, it's like a yearning to 
have that connection to the ancestors and the ancestral land and honor those traditions, but as well, um, being displaced as in growing up in a different time in a different culture and the infusion of all the other different things. Like I grew up similarly to you in, in, in Bristol, it was Italian, Irish, Puerto Rican, and black. And it was like, I've told Rob this a million times. I felt like the only German for miles and miles. He has told me that that's not true, but I didn't know of any other ones. But um, just like enjoying the culture that surrounded me and taking the parts of that that were so beautiful and, and sort of like digesting them and then realizing, well, how do I connect in that way to my, to my ancestors, to my heritage? And it's very interesting you said that because my path was similar. In college, I had um, a class, community arts, and our professor was Puerto Rican, Sapona Sario, and he said to us, what is your connection to your culture? And I sat there like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea how to answer it. And I was in my, I had already had a child. I was 28, I think. And I thought, well, this is a moment that I need to like reach, you know, reach out and find my path. And, you know, it's really interesting because like you said, you look for other ways and places to um, fit in. And, and I found mine with like punk culture and like that kind of scene. Um, but then you kind of like grow out of that as you mature. And then you're left with sort of like, you know, where, where now I what? In. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think of, I think of, I, I think it's so multifaceted and it's so genius. I love the, I love the way it's said and spoken and it's so simple, but Deutsch girl displaced as in also feeling very, now that we live here and are immersed in the actual culture, culture and feeling the cultural shock of, okay, I'm a modern woman. I identify as a feminist, I identify as bisexual, pagan, like all these different facets of who I am oh my gosh, I don't fit in here either. So it's very interesting. And it's that push and pull and that, that push to for evolution of our culture. And again, like you said, being innovative and there's a lot of pushback against it, but I agree with you um, that things need to evolve, you know, and take traditions. And, and I think a person that's really done a good job with that too is Patrick Dunmoyer um, with the Bell Snickle character, especially because there's definitely been some like very ugly um, facets of that and people dressing up like it and, and horrifying stories. So um, I think he's done a really good job with taking a traditional character or mythology and, and, he, and having it evolve to be a more modern adaptation. So love that so much. I love the idea. And you have a page on Facebook if people would like to follow you. It's Deutsch Girl Displaced. And you share a lot of really great Deutsch culture and Deutsch pages. And um, it's neat with the internet because even though you're in South Jersey, you can still connect with that because of Facebook. Absolutely. And yeah. Stuff, so. And the, the Facebook page is actually linked to a blog. I've done a couple of I was gonna uh, ask. blogs. Yeah, I have done nice. a couple of blog posts. One of my, like, <laughs> honestly, one of the main reasons I started the blog and therefore the Facebook page was because, again, talking about the um, evolution of our culture and well, honoring the past, it's um, a lot of what bothered me once I started really digging into things is how our culture um, has become such a tourist kitschy type of thing, yeah. not taken seriously as its own ethnicity and, and culture. Um, right. So I kind of, I wrote a whole, a whole post about that and that, you know, very similar to the Acadians from Canada and mm -hmm. the, that they later became known as the Cajuns. Um, technically we basically have that same right to an identity and, you mm -hmm. know, we have our own, we have our own art forms, we have our own language, we have our own, uh, food pathways, but w it gets lost in that kitschy tourism, Lancaster mm -hmm. County, Amish, you know, 
horse and buggy ride type thing. Um, and there are times that like, Rob and I have, have sometimes disagreed on this because in his mind, he feels like, well, at least the kitsch kept it alive. And to a point, I understand that. But I also think that it's incumbent upon us modern dyche to make sure that we're um, kind of dispelling any of the uh, misunderstandings that go along mm -hmm. with that kitsch. Um, you know, the hex signs are a perfect example. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, <laughs> you know, and I've tried to explain to people that you know, yes, a hex line can be just for nice. Um, mm. And most of the times, when you buy them at those roadside stands, that's exactly what they are. But if you're dealing with a person who is making and painting and creating real hex signs, mm -hmm. they are they are prayers. I, yeah. I, and it is about the intention of the creator either on their own behalf or on the behalf of a client as to mm -hmm. what goes into that hex line and it's just you know that's just a microcosm of sort of what you know i'm talking about it's that um and again that's another that's another place as as you guys have exemplified that there's room to take a culturally iconic piece mm -hmm. and evolve it and innovate on it but it's still very obviously a Deitch thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so again, I think that's, that's just, that's one of my, I guess, pet peeves as it goes when it comes to looking at, at our culture through the lens of the greater society. That yeah. I really, really, really want people to understand that we're not just, you know, about horse and buggies and, and farming and, you know, oh, aren't these cute little fractor paintings special? Right. And, you know, there's so much more and there's so much more depth. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all part of it as well. Yeah, it's really difficult that that aspect of it is very challenging. And actually what the book that I'm working on is about, it's actually, it was for my MFA. Um, it's, uh, I think the title is Pennsylvania Dutch Kitsch, Folk Art and More or something, because the publisher really came up with that. But it's about like, sure, there's like sort of a part of me, definitely a part of me. And Rob and I have talked about that, this, that like feels, because Kitsch was so, so explosive in the time we were growing up and and all around but there's a part that's sure there's funness there but as i researched more and more and got into it um it's really like a um what's the word i want a cultural appropriation that happens and, and widespread misinformation and then like some of the worst offenders were like jacob zook and johnny ott and people that we look to as sort of these icons and it's interesting because I adore Ivan Hoyt um, as an artist and a friend and he his person that he looks up to is Johnny Ott but it's difficult for me because he perpetrated this idea that he was dressed in Amish like garb and like this really fantastical personality that was very like Amish but you know Amish people don't actually have hex signs like they don't believe in it right it's not right. a thing and it's very difficult because see that's the thing it's like that's one fight that i'm already fighting it's just the miseducation goes so deep and if you bend to folk fest or you ever go which you have you'll hear that a lot and it's 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 difficult but i think you're so right and i think there's a place for the kitsch but then there's also um some of the kitschy stuff is very very appropriated and very very horrifying the things that were the dumb dutchman idea is all a tourist trap attraction um things that got taken way out of proportion and zook had such a reach i mean he was selling to california he had you know during that time 
when the United States has had the tourism boom, um, it's just wild. And it takes many, many years and generations to unravel all that misinformation. But I think there's a lot of efforts happening to do that. It's challenging. So I appreciate that. That in the Starbucks mug that was so popular, that was like a total grab from Zook and, you know, not probably giving him any money, his daughter's still alive licensing that um, grab. And it was very hard to see people go gaga for it. It's like, guys, there are like artisans that can create this for you and it can be right. like authentic, you know, but modern, like it's okay to like move forward, but it's also like we have a collective responsibility, I agree, to be responsible with the information. And, you know, Hunter and I get a lot of people that come up and say, so what do these all mean? <laughs> and we're like, well, how much time do you have? But, you know, we always respectfully say, you know, some people don't believe that they mean anything. And, you know, it's really the intention also of the artist, but also the collector and what do they want out of a hex sign right. as well. Absolutely. So I think that's very Absolutely. true. And Michelle, I noticed on your, um, your Oak Haven farm page, which is the name of the farm that you live at, uh, it looked like you were doing some hex signs. I just looked a couple of minutes ago. That's really exciting. I am. Yeah. Well, I created my, I created, yeah, that's okay. I created my farm's hex sign. So that, that mailbox awesome. is the yes. one out by the front and that's a big two by two. Um, I painted that's a hex beautiful. sign. Thank you. I painted a hex sign, the, the other two by two one for um, a friend um, as a gift. And it was, it's, it's intention is um, uh, fortune through the season. So like, nice. and then the, the stars each represent mother maiden crone because she's Wiccan. So I wanted to give her sort of the wheel of the year with her own life cycles imbued on it. Um, and then the other one is actually a, a sign I made for, um, you know, Dennis from the Kindred? Sure. Housewarming. I, I painted that for his housewarming present. Oh, nice. Um, so I haven't seen Dennis I'm in actually, a while. <laughs> I know, it's been a while. I, um, I'm actually trying, I think in the winter this year, I'm going to try like a new format. I've always kind of had it in my head that I would love to try doing hex signs with wood burning. Nice. Um, and or carving just to get like the, like the relief to see. Yes. Out. And again, that's like what we talk about, you know, like this innovation on an existing thing that is Deitch, but to yeah. take it to a different level. So I'm just, I, I, I'm going to start playing with that in the winter months just to see, you know, just to have something new. There's, there's plenty of yeah. you guys that are fully capable and, and talented oh, to continue to do <laughs> the hex signs as they're painted. And I don't want to step on any toes. And no, you know, I don't know if all. you, um, are you friends at all with uh, JJ Starwalker on on um, Facebook? I know JJ Starwalker. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, <laughs> there's like yeah. Yeah. stuff that happened before I came around, but um, I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. It's just, you know, it's interesting. It's really weird. There's a lot of ego. Let's just say that. There's a whole lot of right. ego with the Hexheim painters. And I'll tell you what, um, just sort of similar to like my experience with heathenry in general, you know, it's like <sighs> flooded with a lot of let's just say like misinformed individuals, not, not JJ, but I just mean it gets to be um, a little complicated and I've noticed, and no, not stepping on anybody's feet at all. There is enough room at the table for everyone. Um, but I've noticed that like a floodgate has opened with hexine painting and it's exciting. It's really exciting. And to see people doing it in such a different and innovative way, there's definitely room. And I am familiar with, of her work. I don't really follow her though. I don't know what she's been up to for a bunch of years, but yeah, that's very, very cool. Yeah. 
I'm just, I mean, I'm friendly with her and I know that she does, she's, she lives up in Maine now. So, but yeah. she's, she does the hex signs. You know, my, my concept was kind of take the, the paper cutting, the Sharon Schnitt and it. overlap it with hex signs and try to kind of, you know what I mean? I don't want to do it in paper. I still want to do it in wood. So I was like, well, how yes. can I make that work? And then I was like, well, I could do carvings and wood burnings and almost come out with that same sort of look. Oh, so that sounds yeah, heavenly. It's, um, <laughs> it's like I said, it's, it's sort of, it's been in the back of my head for a couple of years. And I think this year I'm finally going to try to sit down and, and play around with it. So, yeah. It's nice yeah. when you have a little bit of extra time and it's nice to get into in the winter months when you, when there's a lot of quiet time and it's, certainly a meditative process. And, and I've always felt like exactly. hex signs are what I go to when I don't feel like thinking, like overthinking my process. And I want to just enjoy the process. I guess that didn't make any sense, but when I don't want to overthink the design, I should say, and I want to just focus right. on the process. And it's, it's such, it's such a fun thing to do. Um, and it, it just feels really good. Are you familiar with um, Lee Gandy's work? Because when you said about um, the I painted read... prayer, yeah, I read his book, which was an interesting read. Um, it's a wild ride, right? <laughs> it is. Um, but I don't, I don't think I've actually seen any of his actual work. Well, in the book, I don't know what, co like, there's different versions or whatever, but there's just, the only work that we've seen is the work that, like, starts each chapter. There'll be, like, a little hex. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. His stuff yes. is really cool, and I love that idea of the painted prayer, and it's so very true. I did want to ask you about, your background in Brokerai. Yeah. And do, do you identify as a broker? Is that, am I saying that correctly? Uh, so the, the male uh, Brokerai practitioners are known as Brokers. The females are known as Brokerins. Um, Brokerins. Yeah. So <laughs> I, in Orglova, because we don't have the dualistic thought process, Brokerai right. um, and Hexerai cross over. And as gotcha. you know, from a dialectical standpoint, depending on where you go in the Deuteri, some people look at Hexerai like it's all bad. Some people yes. look at Brokerai like it's all good. Some people do the opposite. And some people say they're all, all the same thing because you're taking away God's will. That being said, mm. I don't, I don't consider myself um, a healer. And hear me out on this one. Like I will, obviously the people that I love and care about, if, if there's something wrong and they need assistance, I will absolutely jump in. But I'm not going to be one of those folks that hangs a shingle out right. just to, to... So I identify myself as a hex. I will tell you I am a hexerai yeah. practitioner rather than a rai practitioner. Within gotcha. hexerai though, you still have the verbal stuff. You still have, yeah. you know, the, and the chants and all that. Um, I just tend to think, and we've been struggling within our own guild to come up with some sort of way to, you know, define this in the Orlova perspective because of that non-dualistic yeah. perspective. Um, and I think so far the closest we've gotten is sort of that Braukarai is the um, the practice where one helps and benefits someone outside of themselves, whereas Hexerai is the practice of helping um, oneself and or um, you know, possibly assisting another in stopping some sort of activity. Um, I am not hesitant to tell you that I believe in hexing. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there are absolutely times that it is appropriate. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, and I know that there are a lot of people and this is one of my personal, like, I cringe at some of the modern pagan communities mm. and groups of enlightened, you know, it's, it's, that's not, <laughs> that's not the world we live in. And no. you can't, you can't appreciate that love and light without understanding and recognizing the dark and dreary too. Mm -hmm. Um, even my personal feeling is even if you choose to never use it, you need to learn it. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, yes, I, I was trained as a broker in, um, but because like I said, I feel like hex and broker are kind of, they overlap each other a lot. Mm -hmm. I refer to myself as a hex and it, it sort of fits in well because before Orglova, I always identified myself as a Germanic hedgewood anyway. So it's just, it's it's just that progression of having a name for it you know so right right yeah and i hate to ask for identifiers because i really am like i'm an aquarius and i'm just like please don't label me but it's always curious to me because i'm you know i'm sort of like um an intuitive practitioner whatever the hell that means but i i always have like leaned into hexerai for sure but i never really understood like the perspective from our guava tradition with Brockerai because I've heard Rob talk about it and my understanding had always been that Brockerai was based in um in Christianity and using um you know using the Bible for for doing some work but yeah I mean it's and then then you go to the folk fest and there's like little plaques Brockerai and Hextra and I'm like what is going on here so, so it's, I it's, think it's also I think like kitschy <laughs> yeah I think like what we're we're kind of what we're looking at now is that like, let the Christians have powwow, you know, any yes. powwowers, yeah, right. let them use that terminology and we'll continue to use the traditional terminology. Yes. Um, and again, I, you know, it's sort of like, you know, when you talk about being a witch in like the more general terminology, like any religion and any culture can have witches. Of so course, I yeah. think that, you know, I sort of feel like it's almost the same maybe with a little bit of a tweak to it right um, right you know but yeah it's it's again i mean it's generally speaking brokerai is 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 the practice of folk healing and folk magic within the context of some belief system right so right other you know so as long as you're not an atheist pretty much any religion could practice it um i don't particularly see this being something that like a Hellenistic person would pick up just because like mm -hmm. it wouldn't you know I mean it wouldn't make sense but I guess right. they could if they wanted to um you know and I'm also I'm also very protective of of our culturally traditional belief systems and specifically when it comes to the the art of Brokerai and Hexerai mm -hmm. because they are so um specific to our culture I want to make sure that anybody that's getting into this is doing it from a pure heart and not just yeah. to take, you know, I, I call a lot of times, I call people within the pagan community title collectors, you know, they want to be mm. high priest of this and, and high magician. And, and, you know, they want to have all these different names and accolades that they can tack onto their name. And to me, that's not the right motivation. Yeah. Um, Alkari and Hexerai is a lifelong process. I was, mm -hmm. I was past the power in 2013, I think, 2014, somewhere like that. Um, and I remember I 
I went to Rob, who was my mentor, and I said to him, I don't think I'm ready yet. I haven't learned everything. He was like, Michelle, you're never going to learn everything. He was like, this yeah. is a process. He's like, but you know enough and you have enough intuitive knowledge that I'm comfortable passing the power. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm just one of those people that I, it's like, I want to know all the things before I can, I call myself and it's the whole imposter syndrome you yeah. know, scenario yeah. too. Um, so I, again, I feel comfortable calling myself a hex because that's what I am. I feel very, um, adept at my own magical or energy working pro process. Um, mm -hmm. It's been effective for me, so I'm doing something right. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that my methodology is going to work for everybody. Um, and I certainly am at, at not at a point where I feel like I could take on any apprentices myself. But mm -hmm. um, And again, there's, there's also the, like I said, there's the, the lack or lack of desire to be a healer. So I don't feel it's fair to call myself a broker and if that's not right. part of what I want to do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my feelings on that in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. It's hard because, you know, just trying to navigate it and there's, like you said, it's so flooded with so much information sometimes. And I'm, you know, the thing about Orglava and Rob and yourself and Ralph and um, the people in the kindred is I know that I can trust when I ask you all questions. I know that it's, it's, it's a relationship. I mean, there's, there's so much, I mean, it's ethical, you know, there's not like I've felt in the past when I've tried to explore certain things that there was a mistrust um, or, or like a misunderstanding or misguided people that I was asking about things that they identified as. And, and, you know, it's nice to be able to fully a hundred percent, I'll go to Rob sometimes about, you know, a lot of things, Deitch questions or, or things relating to heathenry and, um, you know, ask him things, but like with any other religion, there's going to be the the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, there's always going to be that, but um, yeah, so I think that's really interesting because like I said, you can see it, you know, you hear a lot about powwow, especially living around here, a lot, a lot, a lot, Um, that's been going on for a lot of years, and it's very exciting and, and interesting, but it's just not something that speaks to me, but, um, you know, then you go to the folk fest, like I said, and you'll see like a stand with Brockray and then a stand with Hexray. And I was like, what is going on here? But I don't even remember what they identify us as. I think it's folk art, I hope. But anyway, so that is all very, very interesting. And I'm glad that you cleared that up for me because I, I never really understood in the context of Urglava how that worked. So I appreciate that, that it's not necessarily tied, Brockerai is not necessarily tied to Christianity. So that's a very good distinction. Um, and so I think, um, let's see. So we talked about the farm and then I'd love to hear also your background with herbs. I know you took Susan Hassel's course, correct? Like a yep. few years of quite a time back maybe before you met Rob? Well, it how was did actually you meet Rob? So, I don't know, what should we do first? I really want to I know who you and Rob met. <laughs> well, it's funny because I met Susan and Rob about the same time. Oh, neat. Um, and again, oh, neat. it all came from sort of that exploration of, of the culture. Um, I was seeking out things that were specific to the culture. Um, I, I, I met Susan first, actually, um, because, you know, I was at a point in life where I was just kind of like, I was looking for something else. Um, thinking about even maybe changing careers or at least finding like a part-time type path. And um, I decided, I started looking into herbalism 
and I thought, well, you know, this could work for me from a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I actually ended up at um, talking to Maya Toll, who had a shop called The Herbary in Chestnut Hill. And I was explaining to her that, you know, I was very interested and, you know, if she had anybody or any classes that were specific to Pennsylvania Dutch, I would really, really be interested in that. And she was like, oh, well, then you need to talk to Susan Hess. She gave me her contact information and then it, that, that kind of just went from there. So, um, and ironically enough, so Susan was in um, Elverson when I took her yeah. classes. She's actually since moved down to May's Landing and she was like, I totally get your Deitch girl displaced now. <laughs> so, it's funny how things come like kind of full circle, but yeah, I stay in touch with her a lot. And it's, it's, uh, I love having her as a, a friend, but you know, and also obviously a mentor. So, and then I met Rob, um, like I said, I was obviously into paganism and I had, we had the coven already and, and all that. Um, and every year, South Jersey has a South Jersey Pagan Pride Day and I was on the board so I would attend and then Amy Tolomeo who is the regional director for all of the Pagan Pride Day events um, around here she was like Michelle there's this guy Rob Lush uh, Rob uh, Shriver coming to do a presentation on Pennsylvania Dutch Braukera and I was like get out <laughs> you know and it was like he always says that like I, I like stoked his ego so much because I emailed him before the event even and I was like, oh my god, I'm, I was totally fangirling out on him and I didn't even really know who he was or what he was about because again, I'm coming from the pagan background, not the heathen background, so like I never even heard of him before, but I emailed him before the event and I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited to meet you, I can't wait to talk to you, I can't wait to hear your presentation and it, it's like I said, it just all went from there. And I met him in person then at the Pagan Pride Day. And he was like, you know, you should come up to Berks County. And, you know, and I'm like, I lived in Berks County. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> we had that whole conversation and it just, and it just took off from there. So, um, yeah, so it's sort of been like, he's, he's been a brother more than just in the kindred sense ever since. So, yeah. Yeah. And you two work very nicely together too. It's a nice, oh, it's you. a nice, um, relationship and uh just when you're doing a um sega i said it right <laughs> it right <laughs> um it's just a nice it's just it's just a nice balance and um you work very nicely together and complement each other um when i've been when i've been to the to the events and taken part in that so it's been a nice experience and it's very calm and that. yeah absolutely and it just feels and, and you know, the neat thing about it, and I was saying this to Ralph as well, I always feel like it's kind of like taking a course as well. It's just so holistic approach. It's like learning so much of the background and then participating in the SEGA and then having the community um, and, and gathering after like just being together. And it's just so nice because you're learning so much. You're not just walking in and kind of like so unsure. And then you have to go home and like Google all of the things you learned about. You guys do a really nice job of rounding it out. So I really appreciate that so much, especially for myself because I am very clueless when it comes to a lot of the, um, the reasons and, and about the deities and also about the different um, even just in Deitch culture, the different things that we do and the reasons why we do them. So I appreciate that very much. Now, if people are interested in learning more about Urglava, can you please tell us how we can learn more? Um, there are. Particularly about distal thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, there are a plethora of resources. I mean, um, obviously on Facebook, we have, um, we have an Orglova page, we have an Orglova group, and then we have all of the individual um, Orglova guild groups. Um, there's one for culinary arts, there's one for artisans, there's one for fiber arts, there's one for musicians. There's like a whole slew of them, and I, I, yeah. I'm not going to be able to remember them all, but they're all <laughs> out there um, with the, the name Orglova in it. Um, and then the Kindred has a um, a page that's public, and we also have a group that's public. There's also a members group, but that's only for members at this point. So, um, and that's primarily, it's not like we're trying to keep any secrets. It's basically just because when we have things that members vote on, it's just easier right. to, you know, have a group that's specifically for that, that subset of people. Sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, and then there is, Rob has um, a dictionary of Orglava terminology which he admittedly says is outdated that he needs to update. He's also got um, the first book of Orglava Mist. I think he's working on a second one. And we are diligently working on a Orglava 101 book that is going to take sort of everything into one place um, to be a reference guide. Um, That's awesome. I, yeah, it was, I've been wanting to do this for a while and Rob kept saying about how he wanted to update the dictionary, and I'm like, why not just put it all in one place? So yeah. it's, the intention is that it's going to be broken down into sections, with the first section being um, sort of like just general concepts. The next section will be about all the different observances, along with like mm -hmm. dates. You know, if you're solitary, what you could do as a solitary to practice it. Um, recipes that go with that, it's, you know, that sort of a breakdown on each, each observance. Um, the third part um, is going to be about uh, the moon rod or the, you know, our zodiac, which is all, like I said, based in lunar cycles. And then um, the last section is going to be on life cycles, things like, you know, um, uh, child blessings and funerary mm -hmm. rites and that sort of thing. So it's, That's awesome. uh, it's, it's like I said, I, I really wanted something, you know, based on all the questions that we get in on the groups and whatnot, I, mm -hmm. I said, I really wanted something that somebody could pick up and have like a one stop all sort of mm -hmm. thing, recognizing the fact that I'm sure that down the road that there are going to be edits and revisions just sure. because living tradition. And like we talked about at the beginning of this, this interview, we're finding things every day and mm -hmm. you know, stuff's going to have to get updated. Um, this book is not meant to be an end-all to be-all. It's certainly not meant to be like a, a, a doctrine of any sort, but I, my, I envision it sort of as people being able to use it as like a guide. Yeah, that's a great idea. I would love to have something like that too. Yeah, that would be lovely. So we've been, uh, I think I started the draft in 2018. I put the outline together um, and we're just, we're trying to to, to get it out our, our hope is that this will be the year but yeah it's, it's hard to mesh schedules because rob and sure. i are, are co-authoring it and then we've got a couple other people that are contributing so yeah. it's just trying to get everybody scheduled to mesh and and get it all on paper is it's it's hard but it's a lot of work well let me know if you guys need any design help so <laughs> that's how i can help you Anything i appreciate that, that. we yeah absolutely we actually we actually believe it or not athena i think you've met her yeah i love athena so she's done a bunch of our illustrations for us and they're That's just awesome. gorgeous. Yeah. So. I, I adore her. We stay in touch and I haven't seen her in person. Jeez, I don't, it must be two, two, three years, but I just love her so much. Yeah. She's, 
she's such a sweetheart and I know she's been having a hard time with the with the pandemic stuff so I know she hasn't she's kind of been like housebound so yeah we've talked about it a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so we're kind of in the same (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but she did she's doing our illustrations for us for the book so that's That's uh, awesome yeah it's it's really cool so we're we're trying to make it um as much of like a kindred thing and there's a couple of people from the um, greater Urglova community that are helping as well. But yeah, it's, it's awesome. mostly a kindred. So, That's so cool. I uh, love her spiral um, too. Oh, I know. I know. I'm so excited. Great. I'm so excited to get this out. Cause I think it's, it's, it's going to hit, it's going to hit the spot for a lot of people. I can't wait. That sounds wonderful. I need something. Yeah. I mean, I have the dictionary, but I need something. I don't know. That's like, hits more of the ideas and the practical elements would be nice like I need yeah that would be really and that's, nice. I guess, right. <laughs> and that's the nice thing like we're trying to organize it so like it's lit, like the observance section is yeah you know, in order based on our wheel of the year and same thing with the moon rod it it's actually in the cycle yeah um, so that'd be awesome yeah, yeah I'm yeah I love like that. I said, I'm, I'm excited to get it out yeah, that's so awesome, Michelle. I really look forward to that. So how can people find you before we wrap up? How can people find you? They can find you through Distal Think, and I will make sure to link those. And then yep. um, Deitch Girl Displaced, right? Deitch Girl Displaced, and my my farm page is public. Um, oh, I cool. Pref- yeah, I prefer to keep my personal page personal. Yes. If I am ever fortunate enough to meet folks in person, uh, I'm happy to accept friend requests, but um, yes. I've, I've just, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I don't, I don't let just anybody into my personal sphere. So I have to meet you in person to make that happen. Um, I understand, Michelle, and I'm the same way. I totally yeah. understand. So you got it. But yeah, yeah. please give Michelle a follow on Dice Girl Displays. She shares a lot of really wonderful, eclectic, things from our community and also on Oak Haven Farm, which is just lovely. And um, do you, do you have goods for sale? I know you did, uh, we didn't get into the herbalism too much, but so you studied it. Do you do any? um, I do. um, And I also, I also keep bees and I'm hoping one year some, at some point, yeah, I'll be able to have honey also. Um, But I do make some herbal goodies here and there, and I'll post those on the farm page when they're available. yeah, and just also for your for your listeners, the uh, the Oak Haven Farm. Um, make sure you look for the one in Winslow, New Jersey, because there's a couple other Oak Haven farms out there across yes. the country. I noticed that today. The, the hex yeah. sign, right? Yeah, it yeah, has exactly. the blue just, hex sign. Yeah, beautiful. Yep, you got yep. it. And I'll make sure to um, link that properly. And also, just as a side note, is there a way that for people to donate to Oglava as well as a whole organization, or um, how can people the, contribute? Yeah, Orglava as a national organization is, is um, we have a national organization, but it's not, um, it, the paperwork hasn't been filed yet for the 501c3, so we're in the process of trying to get that off the ground also. Oh, wow. Um, Distal Fink, however, is a 501c3, and um, we're registered with Amazon uh, Smile. Uh, oh, cool. We also have a PayPal account. I'll have to get the email that goes with that for you. Um, but yeah, and we hold events um, throughout Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So, um, you know, it, they're, they're usually always open. Um, I know that if you're a little bit nervous about coming to somebody's house, because all of our events are usually held at a private residence, the, um, 
we do tend to try to have one at a public location. That's usually our Hoyt Fest celebration in um, at the end of July, beginning of August. Um, we usually do that at uh, Red Bank National uh, Battlefield in um, National Park, New Jersey. It's outside of Deptford. Um, so, you know, if there's, I, who knows what 2021 is going to hold yet as oh, far as Lord, being able to get together. <laughs> yes. um, but, you know, anything that's outdoors, I would say we're probably still going to try to move forward with. Um, yeah. Our, yeah. our next event that we're having is actually on Friday night. Um, and that is virtual. So if you go to the Distelfink page and or group, you'll be able to see the invitation. And I'm probably going to post reminders either today or tomorrow about that event. Um, it's a Zoom link, so, you know, and it's open as many participation, participants as want to um, get together. We're still trying to, that one specifically is going to be all remote. What we're all, we're trying to figure out now is for our actual Yule ceremony. Yeah. We might have just the God's Folk get together at my place um, where we usually hold it um, and then have everybody else virtual because we have that big spinning fire wheel that we do every year. And right. we still like to do so yeah that's um, amazing that was really cool yeah yeah so we're uh so yeah we're just trying to figure out how to make these things work and like i said as we get into the warmer months um one of the big events we do is here at the farm we do the um the vonazite Vona celebration which the big maypole and we do the may dance and it's actually a combined ceremony between the kindred and my and the coven i'm part of um, we have several rituals through the day. We have a big feast. It's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm really hoping that that can happen. And I'm, I'm hoping by the beginning of May, we're, we're at a point where we can gather again as yeah. at least. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Look us up. And um, uh, like I said, most of that information is, is on the page or, and or group. So yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It has been so nice to sit and talk with you. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. I agree. It was fun. Yeah, and I miss you so much, and, and you guys are doing a wonderful job, and thank you so much for continuing to be such a strong leader thank with the um, Kindred. It's awesome. You, we miss you, too, so. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Even if we'll we have to see your face, soon. like. <laughs> I know. Hey, last night was really nice. It's like, oh, it was really nice because generally I, you know, there's so many things and so many children hanging off of me all the time. My son is basically glued to me, so I can't really Aww. go many places without him. But you guys have right, always right. been very welcoming with my children. And um, Rob has always made it a point to say, you know, how happy he is that they came. Because it's important for me as well in my journey to find something that I can pass on to them as well. So that's Absolutely. another another reason that I'm sort of kind of trying to get my... <laughs> my um, Mind. Shit together, right? <laughs> keep in mind, and it's up to you whether you want to keep this on the, the interview or not, but keep in mind that, you know, junior members are also always accepted. We actually did two baby blessings recently. I know that. Two very young, yes, have two That's very so young members cool. right now, so um, wow. just I didn't keep know that, that in mind. I yeah. will, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just, I reached out to him today. I don't know if he read it yet. I'm sure he has school some way or something, but I do want to move forward with becoming like a full member. I made a joke with Ralph about like, it's, all, it's almost been 10 years we've been courting me. <laughs> I, I just. Well, I it's just, absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely so doable. And I mean, you've been such an integral part baby. too. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. <laughs>